Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. And this is that show that I always like to say puts you in the minds of, you know, Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, you know, the Steelers organization as they look to put together a winning roster, you know, in uh, 2021 and, and chase for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And, you know, I think it's interesting because really this season we've seen, well, is that a winning roster? We don't know if it's a winning roster at the moment because it's one-on-one. Uh, you know, and it was a, I think it was a tough loss for most of us as Pittsburgh Steelers fans on the weekend. You know, it, it was something that, you know, I think a lot of fans expected the Steelers to do really well after the Buffalo game. And, you know, I was one of them. And, you know, there was a bit of reaction, I think, particularly around social media and what have you around the result of the game. And, you know, I've heard some of my BTSC colleagues talk about this and we talk about the injuries and what have you. I don't know. I, I understand that it wasn't a playoff game, but I think from Pittsburgh Steel fans, this goes back to last season, right? We were 11 and 0. You know, in many respects, there were some games that we were lucky to end up 11 and 0. We fell off, you know, pretty bad when it came to the end of the season last year. And we can talk about things like not getting the bye. We can talk about, you know, the injuries. We can talk about just playing terrible against the Browns in the wildcard round. But, and as much as those things hypothetically should all be behind us, they're just not. If you're a fan like me out there that's just going, it's not behind me. This is the same team. We've not been in the Super Bowl for like, what is it, a decade now? Like, you know, I understand the whole notion of we're two games into the season. I mean, Jeff said today, he said, you know, on uh, when I was listening to his Let's Ride, so a day a day late, because obviously our time zone here in Australia where I record for from live from the future. And you know, he talked about the fact that he, Panic if they don't beat the Bengals. I had them. I haven't had them dropping a game against the Bengals. I've had the Steelers dropping a game against the Bengals for almost the whole off season now. Uh, I mentioned we've mentioned it more on Touchdown Under than anything else. But you know, it's something that I'm cognizant of. This is a decent Cincinnati Bengals team. It's one of the better teams you've seen for a while since Andy Dalton took them to the playoffs. So I think we need to be really cognizant here of can the Steelers bounce back. I mean, there are a heap of injuries. I know there's the, all these groin injuries uh, that are that are befuddling the team at the moment. Groins are really difficult. As someone that's uh, torn and an inductor in their groin, you know, playing rugby, I, I can tell you that they're a very difficult thing. They're a very, very difficult thing to come back from, uh, you know, and it can be a long time. It, it can be not a quick fix. But hopefully, where we're seeing some guys like Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, they were limited in practice today. I think actually, you know, sorry, Devin Bush was full practice uh, on Wednesday, which is a really, really good thing. Hayden was limited practice. They're coming back, but they've got to be careful. I think Watt was limited practice as well. You've got to be careful coming back from these. You want to rest or you can end up in a really bad way. The good news is, though, for all of them, you know, at least I can talk about abductors, uh, I didn't get, I didn't have the surgery because I was about uh, 15, 16 when I did mine. And, you know, I was too young and I'm obviously not a professional sports player. So they, they said to me, if I was though, you'd, I'd definitely have surgery. And if I was 18, 19, they'd consider it. So the good news is that if some of this is persisting, the surgery, whilst we don't want Steelers players to miss any time, the surgery for this, I can only imagine it's gotten better, you know, given this was, you know, I'm on double the age I was when I did my inductor is probably a lot more advanced and they've got access to sports medicine that I certainly didn't have access to, even though I had really good physio at the time. So, you know, these are the things with these groin injuries, but, you know, and I see an Achilles injury potentially for Justin Lane. You see a pectoral for Ben. I mean, that's obviously about being smacked down. 
you know, it came up on social media. I think one of our one of the regular listeners of a lot of the BTSC shows, Owen David from from the UK, he said to me, he sort of said, you know, what's happening here? And and I wonder whether there's a change up in the plyometrics they're doing. I wonder whether there's a change up in the stretching they're doing and what have you. You know, these some of these little things, you know, can be really difficult for players. But there's a lot of injuries going around in the league, and I, and I, you're hearing a lot of key guys off injured, and it makes you think: is there potentially some of this coming from no fourth preseason game? Now, people will sit there and go, "Well, Matt, they've got to play a 17th game, so you know what wouldn't won't be worse if they had the extra preseason game." I just wonder if some people have come in a little bit underdone. I wonder if some people, you know, I wonder whether COVID's played into it this off season, you know, and what have your people that, you know, didn't get to do the same, uh, you know, prep last year and they got through the season as they would in normal seasons have then taken it lighter uh, this off season. I just wonder when it comes to some of these injuries, I'm not saying, you know, it's the Steelers that are slacking off. I'm just saying this is a league wide thing. This is a lot of injuries right now around the league. But look, as the title of my show today would suggest, uh, I really want to look at the line and uh, and other Steelers fine. Now, the first thing I want to do is I want to go to our rookie report as per usual, which now we're in season. Obviously, I was able to do that last week before the after the Buffalo Bills game and, and looking at the Raiders game. So, I think the first place to start is the offensive line. You know, Ben had he had five hurries. He had 10 quarterback. I have it as eight quarterback hits. I've seen the other number of 10 floating around, you know, he got sacked twice. It's kind of not good enough. Right. I mean, no, no sacks are good enough, but Ben can't take it. Ben can't take it at the age he's out. 39. You can't take those hits. Offensive line's got to do better. Not good enough. Really not good enough. And, it's not good enough because it hurts the Steelers. They're not even good in the run game right now. You know, and Trey Turner, spitting incident. I mean, you don't spit on people. He was apparently spit on. Rah, rah, rah. At the end of the day, they were terrible. You know, they weren't great before he had that, and they were not great, certainly not great after. You know, we'll get. let's get to Najee Harris, though. Najee Harris, 38 yards off 10 attempts. Uh, you know, he had, you know, He's got two first downs. He broke three tackles. He's trying to break everything from behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's doing everything he can. He had that great touchdown off the pass. He, I mean, that was a pro touchdown. You watch him, right? He doesn't just try and dive in, you know, uh, like a Superman. He actually spins on his side and manages to stay in. That was, a, that was an absolutely pro touchdown. But when you look at it from the offensive line, right, when Najee's got under, under four yards, four and a half yards per attempt, and he's you know, breaking tackles the way he is and making people miss, and then you've got Ben with two, with two sacks, uh, getting sacked twice, and you've got 15 pressures and eight to 10 quarterback hits and at least five hurries, it's just not good enough, right? That tells you all you need to know from that perspective. From a receiving perspective, you know, Pat Framuth, uh, you know, he had their four targets, four receptions, so he didn't drop it. He's got those steady hands that we know coming out of college, 36 yards, uh, got two first downs off that, you know, not, not too bad there. Allowed a quarterback rating of 104 on passes to him. So, you know, not too bad there. Najee, as I just said before, yeah, he, you know, did pretty well from a receiving perspective. He had five receptions for 43 yards off five targets. Perfect catch rate again, 142 quarterback rating there. Uh, you know, so not not too bad. Not too bad from Najee Harris as well in, in the passing game. And we're going to see him use more often in, in that, I think, as the season goes forward, particularly if Ben's not getting, getting the time to pass the football. 
Uh, from a defensive perspective, you know, you look at Trey Norwood. Uh, you know, he allowed two completions of of the four targets thrown his way. That's a fifty percent completion rate. Obviously, two out of four. Uh, he allowed twenty five yards, so twelve and a half yards from that. Um, you know, but and and nineteen of those were through the air. You know, he participated in a blitz. He actually had a hurry, which is pretty cool. I think from from Shane Norwood's perspective, uh, you know, he didn't miss tackles. I'm really big on guys not missing tackles. I can't say, and I know he's not a rookie. Uh, Marcus Allen missed tackles. Uh, in you know, you can't you can't do that. You just can't do that when you're in his position there. Jimmy Jones, he had one quarterback hurry. He had one pressure. He only had two tackles. You know, he, I guess that is what it is. But from Jimmy Jones, it's not like we saw anything stellar out of him there, uh, you know, so from, again, from the Steelers' perspective, where are they getting necessarily that support? Um, I think I'm right in saying that Buddy Johnson uh, didn't suit up from that regard. Going through the snaps, Dan Moore, uh, obviously tackle out of Texas A&M, fourth round. He played 100% of the offensive snaps. Uh, when we look at Kendrick Green, so did he. Then we go down to Najee Harris. He played, he did 53, so he played 90, 95% there. Uh, I'm going to keep going through the list in terms of the rookie report. Pat, Pat Freemuth, 33 uh, reps, 59% of the offensive uh, reps. Now it's interesting because Eric Ebron has only had 24. We know that, you know, uh, to date, Pat Freemuth's getting more reps and he's certainly showing up. Pat, I would argue that Pat Freemuth is probably on the offense having a, a sneaky good season. I think Deontay's done pretty well, as we know, but Pat Freemuth for me is actually looking like the offensive player, you know, that they that he really promised that he could be. And, and when I think about Najee Harris, the effort that he's going to there for not a lot of return, which is not his fault, you know, I, I still think he probably deserves that they're the Steelers offensive rookie of the year award, but Freemuth is having a sneaky, sneakily good season. I feel here, uh, you know, to date, we're only two games in, but if you can keep this up, Steelers fans can be pretty happy by the end of the year. I think, uh, you know, from that perspective, they continue to go through the list. Trey Norwood played uh, 76% of the defensive snaps uh, with 50 there. He's played a bit of special teams as well. He played 40% of those snaps. Jimmy Jones played 23% of snaps on defense uh, and then 32% on special teams. You know, so from that perspective, when we look at this, I mean, Presley Harvin, you know, obviously the punter, he did all right. You're just sitting there and you're like, get a bit blur out of this from the Steelers. And their, you know, and their draft picks from this year. It's just a little bit blur. Uh, you know, obviously not the first couple of rounds of the draft picks are doing well, but we're not necessarily seeing that full contribution here, uh, you know, completely across the board. And the reason I say not full contribution, yes, guys are playing snaps, but we need more rookies to step up if we're going to be successful this season. Now, what of that's on that offensive line? Jimmy Jones didn't do anything. You know, I know we talked about him beating out Quincy Roche. Okay. Well, he hasn't done anything. As far as I'm concerned, get, you know, get back Quincy Roche, give him a crack this way. Like, I'm not noticing anything. Maybe you say it's worse. The guy for me that I'm really interested in seeing now that we've had, uh, we know Tyson Oluwalu is going to be out for quite a while, uh, is Isaiah Loudermilk. You know, he played 27% of the defensive snaps. What can he do this week? You know, when I said is the is the line fine, I wasn't just meaning about the O-line. I was meaning about the defensive line as well. And I think Isaiah Loudermilk, He's another guy. Can he produce? Because this is the thing. We are only two weeks in, but if the Steelers can get 
further further down the track and, and end up with a seven and ten or even a six and ten. And we've got these rookies coming to the fore and they're learning this experience and we can and then we can make a final run. Because regardless of how well we did at the start of this season, the performance and the, and the outcome of this season, whether the Steelers can make the playoffs, is going to come down to the final, you know, six and seven games where they play Baltimore twice. They've got Kansas City. They've got the Tennessee Titans. They've got Cleveland. You know, there are some big games that they're going to have to go through there. And what that will come down to is whether these rookies are delivering. Because not a lot of guys otherwise out there. Now, I know when we talk about the O-line, you know, Michael Beck, uh, you know, put a good article out in the last couple of days about the offensive line uh, on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, where, of course, you know, we're affiliated, where we're a, a content piece built off the back of the website. And, you know, he mentioned guys like, you know, Mitchell Schwartz, um, you know, who I still think they should go out and get. I still, I thought they should go out and get them from the start. I don't know why you've got a guy like that sitting there. You know, people are talking about Okung, um, Russell Okung as well. I don't know if Wagner is still out there or not. I can't remember. You know, Zach Banner, does he need to get healthy? I don't think Zach Banner, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not saying he's bad. He's definitely better than Chooks. Zach Banner's not the long-term answer there, right? And you can't spend all your draft capital next year on tackles uh, and guards because, frankly, you don't, you, you know, you've traded away several picks, right? Now, the other thing Michael Beck talked about is a guy called Lindbaum. Uh, he's, I think he's out of Iowa in, uh, in his article. Lindbaum's great. Right. But the reality is like with a guy like Tyler Lindbaum is then that means moving Kendrick Green over. I I believe Kendrick Green is going to be a really good center. I just think he needs time. The problem for me, though, even with people talking about Trey Turner not living up to expectation, Trey Turner is not the problem for me either. The tackles are the problem. And, you know, Dan Moore is going to need time to grow. You know, Kevin Dotson, you know, is a guy that had four games last year. We put that a rookie like Kevin Green in there and you've got Trey Turner. Like they just need some, like, I think Dan Moore needs time. Chooks has had enough time. I don't think he's the answer. But is Banner the answer there long term? I don't know. You know, I, some people are really high on him. I don't, I just don't know. And people say, oh, you know, he did really well uh, with Sam Darnold in college. Yeah, he did. Great. But the reality is, is that he was a swing tackle and then he won the battle, you know, and then he got injured first game last season. Now, that's really unfortunate. I'm not saying these, you know, it's his fault, you know, that he hasn't played all the time. But we always talk about one of the best traits um, for someone or best ability is their availability. He's not been available. We don't know. Now, I'm going to trust the Steelers coaching staff or why we the hell did we sign him to the deal we signed him to. But at the end of the day, he's not, he's not necessarily delivering this, right? He's not delivering... We don't know. We don't know what he can do on the uh, offensive side there. So, and you know, because we just don't have the sample size. I can't sit there and say that he's going to fix the offensive line for you, and I, and I won't. And then when we talk about the defensive line, you know, we've got guys that are pretty uninspiring there. You know, Chris Wormley, is he going to be the difference? Is he going to be able to step up with Alawalu? Is Davis going to be able to step up without Alawalu? And this is why we need, and I talk about a rookie report each week, this is why we need a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk to step up, take the bull by the horns, and actually show some worth from that perspective and, and really show why. The, and when I say show some worth, you know, I think he's going to be a really great prospect for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what we really need is him to step up, and when I say grab the bull by the horns, you know, Steelers traded a fourth-round draft pick for you to go grab you. What can you show us this year? Because anything he can show us this year is a plus for future years. But with that, I'm going to take a break on uh, Steelers War Room. Joining me for part two, we're going to have a quick little preview of 
some of the rookies on the Bengals side of things. And then I'm going to talk about some options for the Steelers. We're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host to this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney, the Roasted Steelers organization, as they look to put together a winning roster, uh, whether that's in 2021 or beyond. So look, we covered obviously the rookie report uh, for another week in, in part one, but now we look with a bit more of a preview uh, rookie report for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, who the Steelers are obviously playing this week. Now, when it comes to Cincinnati Bengals, they got Joe Burrow, right? Second year quarterback out of LSU, you know, had that amazing run through in his final college year. You know, today he's uh, thrown four so far this season, four touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, you know, and he's been sacked 10 times, right? Now, this is the key thing. He's been sacked 10 times. The reason I say that's the key thing uh, is that when we look at the Bengals, like the Bengals draft picks here and rookies, right? They got Jackson Carmen out of Clemson tackle six foot five, three hundred and thirty thirty pounds. Now he's he's start like he hasn't started either game, but he has played in both games. Uh, you know, and f- and from that perspective, you know, he's actually only played special teams, so he's not really in a fault with that. But you'd expect where they took him in the draft, they actually traded back a few times uh, with Jackson Carmen. So he's in the second second round, but I think they traded back twice or they waited to, to grab him there. So it's a pretty interesting one. Now, Joseph Osai, he would have been a problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm telling you, with that O-line and having watched Joseph Osai um, from Texas, you know, as a Longhorns fan myself, he would have been a real problem for them. And he was a problem in the preseason. So watch out next year. He'll come back with a vengeance. So I think he's, uh, I think he tore his ACL and MCL. Uh, but, you know, he's he's an incredible pick there. I couldn't believe that he fell to number 69, uh, you know, in the draft. But, hey, you know, you know, incredible pick. But, hey, we didn't have to play him. Uh, you look at Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, first-round draft pick, obviously out of LSU, had that relationship uh, with Joe Burrow. You know, he had four four targets, two receptions, 54 yards in the loss, one TD uh, against Chicago last week, but against Minnesota in week one, 101 yards, five receptions off seven targets, average of like 20.2 yards uh, per reception. Catch rate is 71%. That's pretty good. At 50% when you're getting two receptions out of four targets, again, that's not too bad there. Uh, you know, so when you look at a guy like Jamar Chase, he's going to be a real weapon especially when you've got Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, uh, and some of these different guys uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, you're going to really see, you know, Jamar Chase do a lot. Now, White Hubert, he's a defensive end that they drafted in the seventh round. He, he's not available. You look at Chris Evans out of Michigan. Now, he only he had one target, one reception, uh, 14 yards. That's all he's really done this season. He's a, Whilst he's a running back, uh, he kind of – you know, he plays an interesting role, you know, and when he was at Michigan, like sort of played a bit more of that H-back role at times from what from what I was watching. Now, might be wrong then. Jeffrey Bendick will probably correct me pretty quickly on that one as a Michigan fan. But it wasn't your traditional like run up the middle at times from him. Uh, you know, he was used a bit more versatile. 
but he was used in a more versatile manner, I should say. But also, you got to remember that you got Joe Mixon uh, on the on the Cincinnati side. There, you've also got Mitchell Wilcox, undrafted tight end out of South Florida. I think, from my memory of the draft process, uh, he was more of a blocking tight end, so not necessarily going to see a hell of a lot there. Uh, Deontay Smith was a tackle that the Bengals drafted in the fourth round out of East Carolina. He's yet to play in a game. Trey Hill, same thing, sixth round draft pick. I would have thought he would have played by now. Uh, he hasn't started, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's got any snaps yet. So interesting there. I don't know if he's battling injury or not, but uh, according to Pro Football Reference, uh, he looks to be all right. Tyler Shelvin. Now he's out of LSU as well. They got a lot of guys that are coming out of LSU for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's an interesting player as well. You know, for what they what they can do out of him. They took him in the fourth round. Haven't seen much of him yet. I wonder if you see that with their interior line and wanting to show the Steelers different things and really shut down Najee Harris. You might see that this week. You you may see that this week. Uh, then you've got defensive lineman in uh, Darius Hodge as well out of Marshall. Now he was an undrafted. He's only played one defensive snap, so I mean, I can't really can't really give you much about that. I'm not I'm not watching the Bengals close enough to know what he did in one in that one snap. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, and then you've got Cameron Sample in the fourth round as well. Uh, again, he has actually had a quarterback hit. He had that in week one. He had two tackles last week. He's only playing about a third of the defensive snaps. So you know, it's interesting how they're using him in different packages. He's out of Tulane. Whether he does anything this week, that'll be the thing to see. And then in terms of the other rookies that are contributing, they've got two more rookies, according to the team this side right in front of me. The big one to note really is Evan McPherson, uh, you know, the kicker. He's made three out of three extra points. He's made uh, week one, two out of two extra points week two. He's made all of his field goals as well. So, you know, not too bad, not too bad from him. Uh, he's made two 50-yard-plus field goals. The other one was 30 to 39 yards. So the Steelers don't, the Steelers have got to really hold them uh, to long kicks. You know, the Steelers, even if they, you know, fine, if they do bend them, don't break defense in the red zone in their half and they don't allow touchdowns with field goals, we'll be really happy. Uh, but you just got to be careful because this guy will slot him uh, and, he, and he has so far as well. The other thing to note is he does all in seven out of his kickoffs. Uh, out of his nine kickoffs have been gone for touchbacks. So the return game may be a bit limited uh, for the for the Steelers this week. That wraps up the rookie report uh, from the Bengals side of things. Now, as I said, let's let's have a look at what the Steelers can do. You know, I, as I said, the premise of this show, you know, are the Steelers fine on, on the on the line? Now, I mean, O-line and, and, and the defensive line. They kind of really aren't from my perspective. Now, if you look at the draft, uh, coming up next season. It's still in an interesting spot when it comes to picks. It's interesting there that Michael Beck mentioned Limbaugh. He's actually, there was a, an article in Sporting News that had him going to the Steelers at pick number 18. The best offensive tackle, or, or I think anyone, the best offensive lineman in this draft is Evan O'Neill out of Alabama. He's a dominant force. He's ultra athletic. Right now, he's like ranked second best player in this draft uh, behind Derek Stingley, uh, the cornerback out of LSU. I don't know how he's top because he doesn't like tackling. Uh, and then you've got Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Sam Holwell. Now, this is all going to move around. DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle, Texas, Texas A&M. I would say he's a name to have on your radar, but I just don't think the Steelers are going to be in a position to pick him. And there's other needs. If we're high enough to pick DeMarvin De Leal, well, then the Steelers are drafting the next franchise quarterback. I'm telling you that right now. So the other guy that's got a lot of, uh, you know, fanfare around the college game at the moment is Jackson Kirkland, offensive tackle out of Washington, six foot seven, 310 pounds. 
He's a massive athlete, really smooth pass pro. Uh, you know, I think the the thing with him when I was listening to uh, Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks was some of the explosiveness and his his potential beyond where he is right now is probably a little bit less than a couple of the other offensive linemen. So he's one to watch. You got Zion Nelson. He's six foot five, three hundred and sixteen pounds out of Miami. Really agile blocker. Uh, Come in with quickness at the line of scrimmage, get downfield when needed. Really reliable in pass protection and the running game. Now he's could be an interesting guy, right? He's an interesting guy, at number fifteen that that I could see the Steelers trying to get, particularly if they're picking in the early twenties. Let's hope they are, right? Uh, you know, he, he could be someone that's a really good pick there. And I mean, and when you, I'm looking at the top 25 players here, Tyler Limbaugh falls in as well, uh, six foot three, 290 pounds. Problem for me with Tyler Limbaugh is that looking at a guy, and I think I've seen other sites where he's just over 300, he's not that much bigger than Kendrick Green. As I said, I'm a believer in Kendrick Green, obviously, like I, I you know, brought him in as one of the predictions uh, for Steelers War Room, you know, before the draft. I'd actually want to prove him the week before the draft, but as the story goes, did it on the on the Wednesday. They picked him on the, I think he came out Thursday, picked him on the on the Friday or Saturday, whatever it was. Yeah, the Saturday, uh, you know, from that perspective. Uh, but Kenyon Green, guard out of Texas A&M, he's someone you could look at if you think the Trey Turner is not going to do the job and Zach Banner comes back and is strong. Uh, six foot four, 325 pounds, really good interior blocker, solid size. I said there, strength, technique uh, to dry, thrive in the running game. Don't know about his pass pro though, uh, you know, compared to some of the other guys, but he's a name that's floated around the top sort of picks for a while. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia, six foot six, 340 pounds. Uh, he's getting a lot of attention for his athleticism. And I think I'm correct in saying he's, he was one of the key reasons why Clemson couldn't score this season in the first half for the first time in like 143 games. Like that was ridiculous uh, from that perspective. You got Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, six foot five, 310 pounds. He's known for really powerful upper body, strong hands, mean and nasty aspect to the blocking, uh, you know, but he needs to develop his agility and footwork to raise his game. That's okay. We know that guys, you know, come through footwork can be a key thing to work on. So it's interesting. You got Zion Johnson uh, as well. Uh, his calling card for the Boston College Eagles has been strong and powerful run blocking. He's a road grader with hands and enough ability to play either inside or a right tackle. Now, that could be interesting. A guy that's a bit versatile, particularly if you are bringing back Trey Turner. Uh, you know, could he be someone we could see on that right side? And that's really good because we know we've got Dotson on the left now. I, I'm one of those people that thinks you should play Dotson on the right you know, if Turner goes, because that's his natural position there. But hey, if we're going to get him adjusted to left tackle, uh, left guard, sorry, maybe Zion Johnson is someone you can bring in. And he's someone that could be available in the second round too. So that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, Darren Kinnard out of Kentucky, six foot five, three foot five pounds, uh, three foot five pounds, I should say. He's a powerful run blocker. Uh, they say he needs a bit of refinement in his technique, but that's why he's one of the 38 picks in this draft um, in terms of talent. You know, he could play really well inside in the NFL because of his athleticism and pass protection. He's someone I'd really like to see, right? He can, he's he got a bit of versatility there. Do you bring him in as well and figure out his spot uh, from that perspective? Then you've got Perry and Winfrey, defensive tackle at 40. Uh, he's 6 foot 4, 292 pounds. He's got good length and powerful moves, but apparently he's got to refine his technique. The problem for me with, with a guy like that is I think the Steelers want like a 300-pound pass guy. I know they had the grave digger in Javon Hargrave, and I think he was like, Drafted in at like 280 and he played about 290-ish as well. So he's someone that, you know, is a bit more Javon Hargrave size. But I think when you look at what the Steelers are doing, I think they do really prefer, uh, you know, a, a, big, a bigger guy from that perspective. 
When I go through, though, and, and, and you go down the list, the guys that you want to start looking out for in the college game, even if you're watching highlights, hearing reports, reading articles, is Evan O'Neill out of Alabama. Steals might not be there, but base base what who might fit off Evan O'Neill. Where are they scratching up to him? And the reason I said that is look at uh, Penace or, you know, who the Bengals, you know, a lot of people think they should draft him. Me too. You want to protect your quarterback there, uh, you know, and they didn't. And we know he went to the Detroit Lions, but Look at Penny Sewell and the struggles he had a bit through preseason and he's already had early on this season. And then you look at a guy like Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern playing for the Chargers. You know, he's playing some good football. Uh, and he was the one that was most NFL ready and the most versatile. Evan O'Neill's that same player. And in fact, a lot of people think Evan O'Neill is better than Rashawn Slater. So, hey, the Steelers have a really average season. You know, ben, Big Ben can stick around or you think there's other people that are going to be available. Maybe he's someone you can go grab. Um, you know, I said last year, I would have traded up for Rashawn Slater, you know, particularly where he was. I would trade up for Evan O'Neill. If you're picking 10 or 12 and he's available at like seven, you do that trade every time. Look at what they did with Devin Bush. You don't think a, a tackle that can play on your line for the next decade is not that important. People might call me crazy, but like, you know, you you got to protect the guy back there. you got to protect the guy back there. Can you win with a veteran, you know? Uh, whether it's Ben or someone else, you got to keep him upright. You look at what's happening this season. Then number two, you've got Jackson Kirkland, Zion Nelson at three out of Miami there, Tyler Limbaugh, who we mentioned the center, uh, Kenyon Green, who we mentioned out of Texas A&M guard, Charlie Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi State, Zion Johnson, who I was just talking about, offensive guard and tackle, Boston College, Darren Kinnard, who we mentioned there out of Kentucky, Rashid Walker, offensive tackle out of Penn State. Uh, you've heard me talk about him before. I came at... at yeah, Ekwonu out of NC State. I really like him. I see him more as an interior player, but I do really like him. I think he's pretty um, versatile across that interior line there. I know he's not done a lot at center, but and you know, I'm on the Kendrick Green train, but I think he can play either guard position. Uh, so he's someone we could really look at. I'm kind of glad he's falling a little bit out because I see him potentially now going uh, mid-second, early third. Uh, Thayer Munford, defensive tackle out of Ohio State. I think he'll get drafted too high from my perspective. You've got Alec Lindstrom uh, out of Boston College. He's an interesting pos- uh, prospect at center. Uh, Tyrese Robinson, guard out of Oklahoma. Logan Brown, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. He could go, ah, I want to see what he does through the season because he could really start to really come on and develop. Uh, you've got Ed Ingram, guard out of LSU as well. So they're your top 15 prospects currently from the offensive lineman side. On the defensive tackle, you've got DeMarvin Leal, who I was talking about from Texas A&M. Jordan Davis out of Georgia, who I mentioned, and I mentioned their situation there with Clemson. Perry and Winfrey out of Oklahoma, we talked about. Tyler Davis out of Clemson. Uh, you know, Chris Hinton out of Michigan. He's a good player, Chris Hinton. You know, if he's available in a third or fourth, gosh, I'd love for the Steelers to get a guy like that. Uh, Deslin Andre out of Pittsburgh. Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State, DJ Dale out of Alabama, and Corey Durden out of NC State. So there's some prospects, according to one list, uh, that you really want to really want to focus in on uh, from that perspective. I'm just going to take a breath there for for a second there. Uh, you know, so when we talk about the line there, they're the sorts of guys you're starting to think about uh, from that perspective. Funnily enough, though. You know, there are a few other players uh, that that I've seen mentioned, actually. Uh, you know, and I, I it's funny. I've read a bit, like last year I saw a bit about on the college game from Turf Show Times. So that's the SB Nation site for the LA Rams. So I've kept it in my back pocket, right? 
and I always want us to go to BTSC, but it's interesting because there's often a lot of uh, there's a lot of ties between the steel some of the Steelers' positional needs over the last couple of seasons and the LA Rams. It's been it's been quite funny in that regard. But I noticed that they'd picked a couple of guys. They'd mentioned Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma. Uh, you know, and some of the bullying that he can do. He's someone that's crop the crops around different mock drafts. He wasn't on the list I mentioned before, uh, but he's an interesting guy to watch as well. Michigan State uh, has Jarrett Horst. Uh, he could be a guy to really look out for as well. Uh, you know, there depending on how well Georgia do. Um, you know, and he's he's a lot of protection in the run game too. So I've, I've seen him do a little bit from that perspective. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Obviously, we talked about him. From that perspective, uh, and then there was one other player that I had on my list. I'm struggling to read the name of him. Uh, but you know, there's some more guys to consider. And then before we wrap it out, uh, there's also some players from the, the, you know the historical black college, you know, as well the HBCU. Uh, there we've got we've seen guys like Javon Hargrave, you know, you know, come out of those teams. Guys like Darius Leonard comes out, come out of those colleges, I should say. You know, and so there's a couple of guys. One is uh, J.A. Carter, offensive tackle out of Southern. He's six foot five, 300 pounds as a senior. Uh, and like last year with David Moore, Moore, you know, who was a small school offensive lineman that boosted his stock significantly. Same thing could happen with Carter here. He was 275 pounds on the roster last year. Apparently, he's been weighing at like 305 pounds this season. Uh, he's usually... Uh, been playing across the offensive line, but he's been a tackle since he started playing for them. Apparently he's got really good athleticism as a pass protector. Uh, and it's what his game is centered around. He's still got late polish. You know, he's sorry. He needs polish in other areas, which makes him a late round draft choice, but he could be someone you could hear a name of being called in the sixth or seventh round. We know Mike Tomlin and, and Kevin Colbert like their map guys. Uh, Kanan Forbes, Offensive lineman out of Florida AM. He's 6'4, 315. Uh, you know, and he's a really interesting. He played in Iowa State, uh, went to Everglades High School in Florida, uh, spent one season there as a redshirt uh freshman there. He's a really thickly built offensive lineman who's got a lot of power at the point of attack. He was a first team all MEAC selection um a season ago. He's got really good consistency. He earned his degree last uh, spring, but he wanted to remain in Tallahassee to continue to prove his worth to the program. And, you know, he's in a new conference uh, and he's expected to play tackle this year as well. So, and, and I think he has already from some of the snaps I looked at. So, you know, that's, that's a really good thing. You got Cam Durley, offensive tackle out of Tennessee State. He's 6'5 uh, and a little bit, 315 pounds, uh, you know, He's really he's got a really interesting background. Uh, he actually spent his child in Saudi Arabia, where he played basketball and baseball. Uh, he was a participant in the Little League World Series as a pitcher and first baseman, but then he ended up loving football. He was only a two-star recruit coming in 2015 uh, in that cycle. He started at Kansas. Uh, you know, he was a true freshman. He only experienced playing time during their season opener. He tore his ACL in 2017, missed the following season as well after his Achilles. So he's a guy that's had a heap of injuries. He's kind of like that sort of Mark Gilbert type that we had this year. You know, but who knows? You know, he's someone to watch after having a decent 2019. Uh, you know, and he played in five games last season as well. Uh, he missed two due to injury. So he's another guy to watch out of the, of the HBCU colleges. And then there was one last player to wrap up 
Steelers warm for this week. And that was Mark. That's right. Mark Evans, the second offensive tackle out of Arkansas Pine Bluff, six foot three, 295, and a senior. Uh, you know, he's a rock of his team's offensive front. He's got an attitude and a finishing ability that's showing up on tape, up on tape. He's likely transitioning to inside guard. He's a prospect to keep an eye on and he's really uh, motivated, you know, and he, particularly after uh they lost the title uh, last year, falling to Alabama AM. And I think he's interesting when you talk about that main streak. You talk about someone with a finishing ability. You talk about someone in that guard position that might need to put in a bit of size. Uh, he's someone that I thought could be a really interesting prospect on the offensive line. But as you can see, in wrapping up this week's Steelers War Room, you know, I talk about the line and I'm talking about the defensive and the O line. The O line is a bit more of an issue right now, but I can see things starting to develop where we're going to need support on that defensive line next year. You know, yes, we kept a certain, like I think it was six, seven defensive linemen on the roster. You know, two, it's out again injured. Aluwalu is gone. You've got Wormley, you've got Bugs, you've got Mondo, you know, you have Davis and you've got Loudermilk. Out of all those guys in two seasons' time, who's going to be there? Probably, maybe Davis, maybe. Loudermilk will probably be there. Wormley, I don't think will be there. You know, Bugs, I definitely don't think will be there. Can Mondo actually make it? Uh, I know he's, he has, a, has roles that he plays in this team, but can he actually make it? We'll wait and find out. But with that, go Steelers.